Something that's absolutely critical in sales is trust. The buyer has to believe that you and your product are going to solve their problem. They have to trust you. And if you don't have that, even if you have a great product, even if you have great marketing, they're probably not going to ever sign up. Fortunately, Liam Patterson came in and he shared exactly what he and the Bidnamic team have done to create an incredible amount of trust to get buyers feeling like they absolutely will get their problem solved with Bidnamic. Check this out. He walks us through precisely what they did from day one to earn the trust and to deliver that trust and make sure that everybody knows that they can solve their problem. So check it out. You're going to love this one. Welcome to Scale Your SaaS, the podcast that gives you proven techniques and formulas for boosting your revenue and achieving your dream exit. Brought to you by a guy who's done just that multiple times. Here is your host, Matt Wallach. And welcome. Super excited to have you here. Thank you very much for coming. If you're watching, thanks for watching. If you are listening, thank you for listening. This is Scale Your SaaS. And our goal is to help you do exactly that. So you can understand exactly how you can get the right understanding of growing through marketing, lead generation, closing deals, scaling your team, whatever it is, we want to help you grow your company. And I'm really excited. I want to share this story. I can't wait for you guys to hear this one. I've got Liam Patterson with me today. Liam, how you doing? Yeah, doing great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So Liam, let me make sure everybody knows who you are. Liam is the founder and CEO of Bidnamic. He's an entrepreneur and growth hacker with a deep experience in e-com and digital marketing. Bidnamic is a marketing technology platform that helps retailers unlock the full potential of Google Shopping. What it does, it helps retailers to outrank competitors, increasing revenue and market share. And really what it does in short, it gives you an unfair advantage on Google Shopping. So anybody in the e-com world, this is what you need in order to be able to get those sales up. Once again, Liam, thanks so much for coming on the show. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. For sure. So, you know, kick us off. Tell me, what have you been up to lately and what's coming up for you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we've really been scaling up uh, Bidnamic, the, the core business. Um, as you mentioned there, we're, we're Google Shopping specialists. So we work with hundreds of, of e-commerce retailers, direct-to-consumer businesses and brands. And uh, yeah, we're just really helping them get more get more exposure, get more growth on Google Shopping. Um, in terms of our business, what we've been doing is um, about, about nine, 10 months ago, we took our first investment round. Um, so our first kind of VC round, which was four million pounds, five million dollars, US dollars. And uh, we've been putting that to work and we're putting it to work in R&D. So we've got a really exciting new product that we're just launching. And also, into into growth as well. So we've pretty much doubled the team. We've opened an office in Austin, Texas. So uh, in, in your, your side of the world, <laughs> nice. we've now got a team of around 28 out, out there and uh, and just really in, investing in, in research and in innovation um, for, for new products as well. So it's been a really exciting time for, for scaling up the business and the brand as well. Oh, that's so cool. I love that phase. That's such a fun time to be in a company and really see that scale start to happen. But I want to actually go back a bit. When it, when it all came to be, what motivated you to start Bidnamic? Where did the idea come from and how did that all come to be? Yeah, so it's actually a, quite a funny story, really. So I guess we uh, we scratched our own itch, uh, I think it's a bit of a saying, over, over this side of the pond, certainly. And uh, we so we built our own e-commerce marketplace. So it was a print-on-demand business. So we didn't have physical warehouses and physical stock. Instead, we have thousand, had thousands of artists, illustrators, graphic designers, uploading imagery and, and merchandising it digitally onto products like phone cases, tablets, T-shirts, mugs, hoodies, 
all kinds of uh, products which would then be printed or produced on demand um, and, and printed locally and shipped locally. So we had, um, you know, printers all around and, and suppliers all around the world, uh, which meant that we could, uh, you know, ship a product really quickly to a customer. And, and our proposition to the thousands of artists and designers and creatives that worked with us was really getting them exposure so they could upload their design. We created the technology that would make it appear on, like it was wrapped in a hyper, you know, really realistic end products of a mug or a t-shirt of all the folds and distortions and then we'd push it out to marketing and uh, the unhealthy channel that really grew that business was google shopping and we went um, a bit too deep into that channel so for anyone who's not familiar with google shopping it's basically whenever you go to google you're looking for an e-commerce product or a physical product online and you'll see like a carousel of adverts so they're little thumbnail images it's got the price it's got the suppliers uh, or the retailer's name on it and uh, effectively it's free to show up on that channel but as soon as someone clicks on it that's when the cost comes in and that was a big challenge because we were effectively on the receiving end of a fire hose of designs some absolutely incredible some absolutely you know terrible and probably never sell and we were betting on our own money you know we were putting in tens of thousands of dollars in, in some cases an hour some cases a day on different regions so we had we had so many products that it was really a challenge and uh one that we we kind of leaned into because we had to because it became such a dominant channel for us um and we ended up um myself and the, and my, my co-founder has a phd in maths very very uh smart team and and the engineers around us so we've always had that software approach rather than a traditional e-commerce approach you know we didn't have any warehousing we didn't have any of that side of it, we're always on the demand generation piece, whether that was demand generation of artists and illustrators, or it was demand generation of selling their products. And uh, we built our own e-commerce technology to do that. So uh, first of all, we trialed everything on the market. It was some great stuff out there, um, but it always had a few limitations that were, that were frustrating or didn't quite work with such a big catalog of products and our use case. So we started developing our own technology and it was really, um, you know, we're going back back maybe five, six years now and our own investors, we had some angel investors in the business, um, some pretty big names. So Marin Mayer, the co-founder of Booking.com uh, and Chris Forrest, who was on the board of Net-A-Porter, um, you know, they both kind of said, look, can we use this technology on our portfolio of brands and investments that we've made? And we were really kind of nowhere, and it's not, you know, we've never done, you know, client side servicing. We've never built even a software business. We've done e-commerce tech for our own use case, mm. um, and eventually we gave in and we said, okay, we'll 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 trial it. Pretty, you know, pretty uh, with low expectations, thinking it probably wouldn't really move the dial. Thinking we were a very unique use case in e-commerce with so many products and so much demand from from Google search, and we just saw this high, you know, this rocket stick, you know, of acceleration for the brands we worked with. Stick and story was our first client still a client today and, wow. and many other brands as well and that was um, about four or five years ago now and fast forward you know four years we've continued investing in that product actually became the core business about uh, about nine months later and we made that switch of um, of turning off that uh, that e-commerce business and instead putting all our focus into this SaaS business um, which was the the marketing technology for Google shopping and uh, and today we're working with over 200 uh, e-commerce brands all around the world some some really big names and recognizable brands as well as you know startups and scale-ups um that just had their first rounds of investment and really looking to grow smarter and grow more efficient so uh yeah that's i guess we we yeah we scratched our own itch and uh yeah created something just for ourselves that then actually had a broader appeal or more, more of a mass appeal than, than we expected 
That's so awesome. I love those stories where you were just solving a need and it was your own need. You had a problem. You went out and solved it in a great way that you realize other people could solve this as well. I think that's so fantastic. I actually have been a part of a system that uh, did the exact same thing. That's how we started. But I want to ask you, so in those early days, once you got it started, once you realized, okay, we're going to market this to others, how did you do it? Like how How did you get past the 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 worry that maybe a buyer might have that you're brand new? How did you convince somebody and get them to trust that it's going to work for them? Yeah, I'd say I'd say we're really naive when we set out. Um, you know, we just had this technology. And it was kind of by accident. So, you know, the first say eight clients were were referrals. So we start from from our own angel investors, um, almost by accident. You know, we didn't intend to do this. We thought, right, we'll just you know help them out and you know and do this. And then so we started to get our first ones, get big success from them. They were connected to people. They had their own you know angel investors in their business. Um, you know, they were the kind of in the London tech scene, uh, and that that kind of led to more and more. So I'd say probably the first six or seven uh, customers were were referrals from those from those first initial ones or from our our investors uh, our angel investors as well. Um, so that's kind of the the very beginning. And then I think the almost the growth hack or the that wasn't even intentional growth hack was just we we just lean in with our customers. So you know from day one we'd be totally transparent about the case studies. You know a lot of brands and a lot of people in our space say we work with an online retailer who sells fashion. You know. Like there's no detail there. There's no description. And that was always a bit of a, a bugbear for me as a, when I was running my e-commerce businesses, which was like, why not be transparent? Why not tell us that, you know? Um, and I'm still not sure why people do that. Maybe it's fear that, that you know, people are going to steal their customers from them or I don't know why, but I think we just lent in and we was like, right, well, we've got great success. We've got, you know, happy customers. Let's just lead with that. So we just led with case studies. So, and today we've got over over 50 case studies, all with the URL, all with the, the business name, all with the uh, month on month or year on year or you know uh, quarter over quarter whatever that time period is that 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 improvement has been achieved what the exact metrics are of course we can't talk in terms of pounds and pence or or dollars and cents but what we can do is is show the percentage growth of revenue of of reduction of costs uh, and and also we get quotes from the the e-commerce managers or the people we're we're directly liaising with um, and their name and their quote on there Um, so it's like 100% transparency and probably even taking it a step further is you know when we go to events and trade shows which are a pretty important part of our of our go-to-market particularly in the US we're very present at a lot of the big e-commerce trade shows and events like shop talk and e-tail west and 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 others um chicago in chicago irx uh, irc and so on um and again it's just bringing clients with us and uh you know part of it's just the fun you know we try to put on panels with with our clients and just let them do the do the talking and do the selling because again i just maybe it's naivety but putting up having been in the shoes of a buyer who's making that purchase it's like it's just inundated with people telling you you know we can help you we can help you whereas when it's like we can help you. And here's one of our customers telling you ex- exactly how we've helped them. And it's even more powerful when it's in person and they're, you know, at the event, they're with us there, um, you know, just gives that credibility and that, um, you know, which, which gets over that, that um, trust factor in the early days. I think you just said the exact word that is so critical, trust. And it's something that 
a lot of companies kind of skip over. And it's so important because as much as you can identify a problem, as much as you can convince the buyer that they have a problem, they need to trust that you can solve it. They need to trust that your system is going to be the answer. And the fact that you understand that so well, Liam, is just beautiful because you're now putting these stories front and center. And and you're absolutely right. The old way of doing things was you can't show who your customers are. You can't, you can't put your customer list out there. And I've, I was taught that in my early days. Like you can never, don't do that. But actually, guess what? Your competitors, they're not going to work hard enough to go find those and go through everybody. And even if they do, if you have such great results, they're not going to want to leave. So yeah. your, your clients aren't going to want to leave anyway. So don't yeah. even worry about it because you're literally, I was told like, don't make sure that you don't post anything about who our, our customers are because we want anybody to steal them. But it's actually the opposite that works. When you put it out there and put these stories of success, you get so many more customers. And for those of you who, who know me and have followed me, you go to mattwallach.com slash reviews and you see tons of reviews and testimonials. like Just like Liam said, he said 50. We probably got 50 some in there. I don't know, somewhere around there. And it's, it's exactly right. The more you put up there, the more you show this works and that you can prove it and that you have a lot of variety in terms of the size of companies, location, what they're doing, their industry. Somebody's going to find something that's relevant to them and that they're going to be able to connect with. And I love... I love what you said about when you go to a conference and you get them up on stage and they're actually sharing how much they love you and how much they love the product. Like what better, what better sales method could you have than a third party testimonial like that? We, I I haven't ever been on a panel with a prospect or with a client. That's amazing. But I have had clients at a conference at a trade show booth where they're kind of just there and somebody else is looking at it. They're like, Oh yeah, we use this. It's amazing. You should definitely use it. Like that's, that's gold. That's the best. I love that you guys are doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was almost by accident. You know, we just got built close relationships with, with our clients and then it was like, oh great, you're going to be at that place. Let's, let's get you, you know, let's meet up. And then, oh, actually like, you know, just kind of snowballs. Right. And, uh, and then you're almost getting two, two benefits. You're building on that relationship. You're building on that, uh, you know, on that compounding of that relationship. And you're also getting the story out there, getting the success out there. And I think the other thing you, you just mentioned there, which is again, part of it is once you've got this depth of experience in different segments. So first of all, we're, we're for we're so vertical that all we do is Google shopping, you know, Google shopping ads. We're not trying to do different channels, different types of ads, different, you know, we're, we're masters of one vertical. So I often say that creates cut through and, and it cuts, creates cut through in our messaging. And, and also it's very visible at trade shows because people walk past no interest at all. Or they're like, oh, Google shopping, like that's been a headache for us. That's been really annoying. You know, how do you guys do it differently? Why, why do you do it differently? You know, it creates a conversation. So um, again, a kind of a British term, mom might it's like a kind of a spread that some people hate some people love and it's that relationship is it creates cut through that again it's either relevant or it's not relevant whereas i see so many companies in their marketing messages they're trying to appeal so broadly that actually they don't it's not clear from the the browser from the shopper who you know what is this actual thing about is it you know is it something that i need to pay attention to that i'm interested in or is it not 
and then that segmentation. So within those case studies, um, we've got you know all the verticals. They can go on the case study pages. They can see, let me see fashion, let me see health and beauty, let me see jewelry, let me see uh, the location. You know, North America. Let me say Europe, UK, um, and also like the challenge. So typically, um, e-commerce retailers come to us with, with two challenges, and that's either about that they're they're happy with the return on investment or the profitability of the channel, but it's just volume. They just don't seem to be able to spend any more money on that channel. It feels like they've hit a glass ceiling or a roof and they just can't can't put more money in efficiently at that same level of profitability. So then they've hit a growth ceiling and we come in and we, we, we lift that ceiling. We get more growth for them. They're able to put more spend in at that same return on ad spend or that same profitability that they're getting from that channel. Or it's a profitability channel that actually that channel just isn't profitable when they factor in the return rate, when they factor in you know cancellations, when they factor in chargebacks and payment fees and postage and shipping fees actually it's just not profitable so then we we come in and we improve the profitability at the same volume and then we then once it's profitable we can move to growth so again we're able to show those two use cases of of growth or profitability so it, it allows people to really see okay yeah these guys have done it for for brands similar to me um which i feel has become a bit of a in SaaS certainly a bit of a gimmick where people say oh we've worked with people like you and you're like, oh brilliant who is it and it's like someone totally different or someone who's they've solved a totally different problem for. So again, I think we're, we're quite fortunate that the scale we've got to and documenting it and getting the case studies there, uh, again, because of those close client relationships has allowed us to then have that in our arsenal to give that credibility and to give that cut through in the messaging that we, that we have. It's brilliant. And it's super important because when people are looking at these testimonials, they want to find relevance. And I always tell my clients, hey, if you're trying to give a testimonial or tell a story about a relevant prospect or customer, and you start talking about, hey, look at how we helped Coca-Cola, and you're actually telling it to the mom and pop down the street, they're not going to feel that's relevant. Like They're going to think that you're too big for them. And likewise, if you're talking to Coca-Cola and you start talking about this tiny little company mom and pop that you worked with, they're going to feel like you're too small for them. So you, you've got to make it relevant. I love how your website does that. I love how you guys have identified how you can make sure that you're telling the right stories, that you're, you're relaying the right information. I think that's fantastic. Uh, it sounds like you guys have done a lot of things great. I want to flip it. What were some of the things you did early on that you look back, you're like, oh, I wish we didn't make that mistake. I wish wish we didn't do that. What were some of those things, Liam? Yeah, definitely. So I think we um, we opened up kind of to too many businesses. So maybe we were, um, you know, we didn't kind of they call it ICP, so ideal customer profile. Like we didn't understand the things that we could control and the things we couldn't control. And now we've got a level of maturity that we've identified those. So when, um, good to give a kind of crystal clear example, before we would look at someone and say, great, they're on Google Shopping. Uh, their challenge is profitability. So it's not profitable enough for them. Uh, and in the, the historic state, They've never been profitable enough. And then we would say, great, with our technology, we can make that more profitable. You know, um, but actually what we wouldn't do is just take a bit more of a deeper dive and look mm -hmm. at what's the real cause of this. Is the challenge here to do with the the way that their Google shopping campaigns have been structured, the way that the bids are, have been applied? You know, are they overbidding on some clicks and some search terms on some products, which is where our technology can really come in and add value? Or is it something different? Is it something to do with their website? Is it, you know, is their website just so slow that after we've won a click or from, from someone who's typed in the exact product title, you know, men's super boost, running shoe, size 10, black, 
under two hundred dollars. It is the perfect match from the perfect customer. They we've got the click. That's cost the customer now. The, the retailer's paid for that click. It's come through, and then the website's taking ages to load. You know, mm. and then because the website takes so long, because it's a very slow website the customers are bouncing. So we can only control one part of the funnel, but actually there's another part, which is their website, which is meaning we're losing, you know, we're losing delivering on our, on what we've said we want to do, because actually there's another more fundamental issue that really, if we'd known that we, we should have said, go and fix your site speed, go and fix your bounce rate of your website and then come back to us. And then we can solve this problem and, and really build on that because actually there's another problem that's more pressing. So I think that was one of those, one of those learnings that so was, there's some things that are in our control um, and there's some things which are out of our control in the scope of, of our product and, and Google shopping. Um, so I think that's definitely been one of the, the learnings is you know, what being very clear about where is their pain and actually doing a bit more upfront, taking a bit more investment in the sale to make sure that we do those checks. You know, we do effectively an MOT, we call it in the UK, effectively, a, you know, checking over, like you check over a car, an automobile, check that everything's sorted. And that's now what we do upfront before, um, you know, before winning a client. Um, we, we actually do this, um, this big check on their, on their, their, their store and we spot is there opportunities? Is it going to be challenging to actually work with them and deliver on what, what what we're setting out to do, you know, and setting out to do with them. So that's now what we, what we do up front is really invest up front in that sales process so that we can avoid doing that. Whereas before in the, in the early days of the business, we'd, we get excited. Everything looked great. We start working with them. The weeks and months would start to go by and we'd, we'd have a small improvement. We'd make some, some gains, but actually that was only the gains we could make here because it was a bigger problem that we weren't aware of and that the client wasn't aware of. And that was out of our scope because it website design for example uh, and page speed well it makes sense and this is something that i'm a big believer in is make sure you work with the right customers you said it before the icp is critical to make sure you hit that and it looks like you guys are doing some deeper work up front to understand if they are actually a fit for you that's something i advocate as well for those of you who've listened to the show a long time you know we we call that process discovery and discovery can be as deep as going to their site if you're working with e-commerce understanding what are they doing and will it work and will our system actually help them i'm glad you guys are doing that liam and uh, sadly we're getting close to the end of our time here i want to know what advice would you have for new software founders who are starting out they've got a great product but they want to understand how can we get to a point where Liam and Bidnamic have made? Yeah, so I'd say it's all about um, all about going out there, being constantly aware of the feedback you're getting, listening and, and trying to adapt as well. So see what, what challenges are the customers having and is that something you can solve or not solve? So I guess one of the learnings was, you know, originally we were selling to customers who weren't in our ICP, they weren't in our ideal customer profile because, for example, their page load was just too slow and we should have known that up front or we, we you know, we could have done more work to solve that. Um, and, and, you know, then we were turning away customers Customers who, who had two slow websites, we couldn't work with them. And obviously that's really frustrating for a sales team, for a business, for marketing, who've had someone that looks like a perfect fit and then we're, we're not working with them. Um, but actually this, these challenges, these things that can be really painful, not winning that business can also inspire new products. So we've now got a new product, which we're just bringing to market, which is a landing page product. So it's built 
just for Google Shopping. So it's effectively a headless uh, landing page, uh, just only accessible from clicking on a Google Shopping ad. So you click on the ad, it loads a unique uh, headless page, which has all their product information, their images, their descriptions, their price, their checkout button integrated cool. into Shopify um, for Shopify stores. So people can transact through there, but it loads instantly. It loads in under a second and it scores 100 out of 100 uh, on the Google page speed in, uh, for page wow. speed insights for mobile and for desktop. Um, so again, we've seen this segment that before we were we couldn't sell to and we were falling over with. And we've now, through having the engineering resources and the investment, we've now made that a USP where now we can we can solve that secondary problem for customers. And now we've got a really great advantage where we can create this optimum experience for shoppers clicking through from, from Google Shopping ads and having a custom journey just built for that, uh, that shopping journey of Google Shopping. So I would say, you know, look for those challenges and then potentially they can become your opportunities in future as the business scales up. Amazing advice. And as you were telling the story about how there are certain people you can't work with because of that problem, I'm like, well, if only you guys could solve that, whether through you build some product yourself or you partner with somebody to do it. And you've already worked on that. So you're way ahead of me, Liam. I'm so glad to hear that. And this has been super awesome. Really excited to hear about your story. You guys have done a great job. Congrats to you and what you've done. I want to make sure everybody can learn more about what you're doing and Binamic. So what's the best way for them to learn about Binamic and yourself? Yeah, so it'd be to head over to bidnamic.com, B-I-D-N-A-M-I-C.com. We've got the whole whole website there. We've got all those case studies we talked about as well, um, all around Google Shopping. And they can also book a book a demo, um, book that free discovery call um, where we can we can understand their business. We can do all that upfront analysis if they're active on Google Shopping, if it's a channel that they're having challenges with, such as around growth or around profitability. Then we can assess if we can if we can help the business. And then in terms of myself personally. Uh, I'm, on, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So you can find me there, uh, Liam Patterson, uh, Bidnamic, CEO of Bidnamic. Perfect. We'll put all that into the show notes and uh, make sure you guys head over there for sure. Liam, this has been awesome. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks for having me. For sure. And everybody else, thanks for being out there. Make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. This was awesome this time with Liam here. And you don't want to miss this or any others that are coming up. So definitely hit that subscribe button. You'll be good to go. And I hope that we helped you scale your SaaS today. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to Scale Your SaaS. For more help on finding great leads and closing more deals, go to mattwallach.com.